Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Tonight on Love and Respect, a conversation with Oscar-nominated actress and producer Anjanou Ellis. Mrs. Hamer is and was a prophetic voice. When I say prophecy, I don't just mean like how she moved about in the world, telling folks about themselves in the moment, that she spoke to the moment that we are living in now. King Richard star, Anjanou Ellis, coming up right now. Good evening, Anjanou Ellis. It is a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to have you here. Thank you for coming. I'm happy to be here. As I'm out. You are um, more than just an actress. You're a phenomenal actress. You are, are now widely known for your role in King Richard as Venus and Serena's mom. Um, you've known mm-hmm. from Lovecraft Country, nominated for an Emmy. You've been nominated for an Oscar. You've been nominated for two Emmys. Um, this is how they see us in Lovecraft Country. But what I want to talk to you about is a film not yet made. And it's about a a Mm. hero of mine, a black woman hero, a black Southern hero, a worker class hero, and an amazing Mm. leader in a woman named Fannie Lou Hamer, who many people may not be familiar with, but if you're from the Deep South, you've heard this woman name evoked in terms of civil rights, in terms of fairness and equity. Um, She was a Mississippian. What is the dream movie about? in terms of her and why Fannie Lou? Um, I'm tickled a little bit um, just to be to be talking to you. Um, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to me to like, I saw you on stage and now I'm looking at you. You know I, I what I mean? I feel the same way watching you on screen and yeah. now talking to you. Yeah, so I appreciate I appreciate you having me. Um, yeah, so I love what you said that she was a, 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 a worker. Yes. You know, and and that sets her that sets her apart because she has a particular kind of understanding of what that's like. It's a different job to be able to to speak for people and know their experience. Do you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people who were leaders, you know, of uh, the freedom rights movement or the civil rights movement, more specifically, they didn't they weren't necessarily in the cotton fields. Yes, they were not. You know what I mean? They were not. <laughs> they were not, you know, but they they were speaking for people who they didn't share. Um, they shared, I guess, you know, certain the, the, the motive, which would be for, as you say, fairness and equity. Um, but, you know, it's another thing to to have that be that spokesperson, spokeswoman when you have calluses on your hands. Yes. So for, so for those who may not know, we're both from the Deep South. So I'm from Atlanta. People think deep, that's deep. pretty cosmopolitan. You're an actress. People <laughs> identify, you know, act, acting with New York or Los Angeles. You were born in San Francisco, but moved, did the reverse migration, moved to Mississippi. We would get sent to Tuskegee, yeah. Alabama in the summers. So we didn't have to work, you know, we didn't have to work maybe as hard as my, gr- my grandparents did when they were sharecroppers. But your grand great grandmother, when you got on her farm, you did stuff. You cut down sugar cane. Now, you know, the older kids, there was some cotton to be picked. You picked it. There was some corn to be shucked. You shucked it. You fed the chickens. The little kids fed the chickens in the mornings. You avoided the hogs because they might kill you. So I'm very familiar with farm life. And you spent time, mm-hmm. like Fannie Lou Hamer, on a farm, 
right? Yeah, I did. I what we my family weren't my family wasn't uh they they weren't sharecroppers. Uh -huh. But they they were um uh they were farmers. They had their own farm. My my grandfather inherited or my my great-grandfather sold the the farmland to my grandfather and my grandfather just continued uh with farming. Um, and yeah, so so they weren't they weren't sharecroppers, and I and I'm kind. Of, it's interesting to me to have to say that because most people assume that if you were on a farm in Mississippi that you were a sharecropper. Yes. But my my family my family they 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 they, they weren't sharecroppers. You have been quoted as saying that your town that where you guys were and you were in Magnolia, Mississippi, correct? Yeah, between Magnolia and McCollum, Mississippi. Okay. Yeah. You said that we had mm -hmm. a town of Fannie Lou Hamers. Could you expound yeah, on that? Because yeah. a lot of times people think that people think that we have one leader. Of, if, if there's been one exceptional black person, mm -hmm. but when you say a town yes. of Fannie Lou Hamers, that's a town of people who take no mess. That's a town of people who are determined to be independent. That's a town of people who are engaged in the political process and uplifting their community. Talk about that, the town of Fannie Lou Hamers. Yeah, well, you know, I think there was a time in the early 60s for a while that my town of Macomb was called the bombing capital of the world. Wow. Because there were so many, there were so many bombings. It was, it was just, it was just commonplace for that to happen. These bombings, the people were either getting bombed or their house, their their homes, or their churches were getting burned down. It was just it was just commonplace, and so you know that there there's a record of all of these offenses. Um, and so I looked, I've studied these, looked over it, looked over them. So all of this stuff, all of this stuff is all of this stuff is documented. And these are people I know, people that you know, you know, my grandfather's my grandfather's church was bombed. Wow, and he was arrested for bombing his own church. The, the police officers in that town who were probably responsible or partially responsible for the bombing in the first place, they came and arrested my grandfather in the middle of the night, he had his pajamas on, they took him to Jackson, and someone I think uh, associated with Bobby Kennedy yeah. um, made the right phone call and he was able to, he was able to go home. So that happened to my granddaddy. And then in, a, in another instance, they kidnapped him again. Uh, this is something I found out recently. They kidnapped him again and took him out, took him out in the woods somewhere. And he just, from the story that my uncle tells, is that he just started praying. And these so-called Christian men were so ashamed of themselves that they just, they just let him go. Yeah. So that's in my family. Can you talk about as as you were researching um, what what new stuff you found out, or what 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 we could all learn from your research? Yeah, so you know, I got with this you know wonderful director. Her name is Christine Swanson. She applied for this grant. Chromatic Black gave her the money. She came to Chicago. Uh, we shot it over you know a few hours. Um, one Sunday, one rainy Sunday, and we've released it into the world. My idea was, listen, if I can't make a full movie about Mrs. Hamer, which is what she deserves uh, and needs to happen, because if they want to keep her out of the classrooms and I got to create spaces uh, where people can learn about her, 
um, and that's my that's my intention. Um, so we did these we did these ten minutes. Uh, it acted as a, as you said a, as a as a proof of concept, and you know what what it showed was how Mrs. Hamer was so effective because what she was doing was that she was at 1964 at the Democratic National Convention. Uh-huh. She was remaking this country in her own image. Yes. In her own image. It, she said, this is what you say you are, but I'm going to make you, I'm going to hold your toe to the line and make you prove it, not Absolutely. just to me, but to the world. And the shame that happened as a result of that, someone like Lyndon Johnson, who was the president at the time, was so intimidated by that kind of integrity that in the middle of Mrs. Hamer's speech, he called a press conference. So networks were literally, had the cameras in front of her face, right? And in the middle of that, they had to be like, okay, we have to stop this now because the president is, wants to hold a press conference. So they had to switch their, all of their programming and it all went to him, right? Yes. But what had happened was, later that night, the networks decided to air it anyway. Yes. And so the world got to hear what Mrs. Hamer had to say. What's interesting about that, Michael, is that Dr. King spoke. Yes. Aaron Henry spoke. Charles King, who's from Tougaloo, who was a chaplain at Tougaloo, yeah. he spoke. He didn't interrupt none of them. Yeah. He let them talk. But when Mrs. Hamer wanted to speak, he could not let anybody hear what she had to say. That's how intimidated he was by her truth. Yes by the truth of what she had to say. I encourage you. And it's it also, just one more thing, just uh-huh. one more thing. It's about what you said. It's about this idea of being a worker organizer. Absolutely. Right? Because Mr. Dr. King, as incredible as he is, he was speaking for folks who worked in the cotton fields. Yes. Mrs. Hamer worked in the cotton fields. Absolutely. So if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. That was a truth to what she had to say that Dr. King couldn't match. My name is Mrs. Fannie Lou Hamer. And I live at 626 East Lafayette Street, Ruleville, Mississippi, Sunflower County, the home of Senator James O. Eastland and Senator Stennis, where I have lived and worked as a sharecropper and timekeeper for 18 years. In August of 1962, I went to try to register to vote. When I came back home, I was met by the plantation owner. He said to me that if I didn't go down there and withdraw my registration, I would have to leave. He said that we're not ready for that in Mississippi. I told him that I did not register for him. I registered for myself. I left that same night. What about Fannie Lou's story? Do you want to show people? Um, she was the youngest of 20 kids and more. Could you talk a little more about her? Because at the end of this interview, I want people running to YouTube to find her. You know, Mrs. Hamer was a 20th child. Her family was like my family. Were on, on the Well, my family owned our land, but their family was about to wow. start, you know, having full ownership. They got horses and everything. Yeah. 
and then they're you know plan the the uh, they're not plantations they're labor camps yes the labor camp owner he um they they poisoned they poisoned their horses wow so they you know cannon shot them back into slavery and as a result mrs hamer had to start picking pot cotton at a young age, she was enticed into picking picking cotton by um, someone, by you know this owner, uh, giving her candy, enticing her with candy. And he said to her, "If you pick this amount of cotton, I'll give you I'll give you this candy." So she started her her cotton picking career when she was six years old. As a child. Um, as a child, as a baby. As a baby, what's so remarkable about Mrs. Hamer, she came from the position of, you can give me all the rights in the world, but unless you see me as a human being, we will perennially be having these battles with voting, just like we are now. She didn't even know black people could vote at the time she was pushing or learning activism. How does that happen that in places, I've watched Stokely Carmichael's old film, walking around in counties in Alabama where black people were the majority, but didn't understand they had the right to vote. She didn't even know, and when she found out, she became a warrior, and here we are fighting 60, 70 years later for the same rights. Could you talk a little more about her, if you got it in you? Oh, I got it in me. Okay. I got it in me. Uh, uh, the, the reality is, because Mrs. H- Mrs. Hamer is a worker, right? Yeah. So, you know, they tired. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. They tired. They could. They they work all day from from can to can't right. Can yep. to can't yep. right. Yeah. So they come in. Um, a lot of them don't have TVs. Yeah. Barely can barely listen to the radio. So there's that that information is not coming in. She had a sixth grade education, but listen, you know, let me talk about me. You know, I have I'm I'm well educated. I never heard about Mrs. Hamer in a formal educational environment. Not in Tugel, not never. in Brown, not in No, Elvin, nowhere. Not nowhere. 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 And I know I'm not alone cuz I I'm I'm a seeker of that kind of knowledge, right? Yes. So if if I don't know it and I had to hear about it through the grapevine, yeah. You know, just just imagine. So she did not know. She was well into her 40s before she knew that she could vote. She thought only white people could vote. She didn't know that there was a Mississippi Constitution. You know, listen, we have to know and we have to recognize, and we are witnesses to that now, that there is an, is an intention, intentionality around keeping that information from a woman like Fannie Lou Hamer. It took me 10 years to become an overnight success. I was, I was literally singing and dancing for 10 years, and 10 years ago, I dropped an album called Rap Music. And rap music changed the trajectory of my career. I formed a rap group with a guy named LP, and Run the Jewels shortly after, and we're one of the most successful touring rap groups in the, in the world today, which gives me pedestal to repeat and magnify things like Fannie Lou Hamer would have done to write and talk about our truths beyond rap music. So I really share commonality in that with you. And I also share pay inequality, because for a long time I didn't get paid what I deserved. And it was seen that in some of the greatest actors and actresses that often look like us, and actresses in particular, as a woman actress that's, that's being nominated for some of the highest awards possible, the pay is still not what it should be. It could you talk, because that's something Fannie Lou cared about too, her coin. You know, I think they started a credit yes. union. Could you talk about that? 
Yeah, I think one of the most powerful things of the, of the you know what I know about Mrs. Hamer is that you know her the, the his name was Marlo. He was the guy who owned the labor camp where she where she was a sharecropper. And um, you know when she when he found out that she you know went to try to register, he told her that either she had to go back down and withdraw her registration, or she would have to leave the plantation. And Mrs. Hamer said, "Yeah, bet. Well, I'm I'm leaving because I'm not I'm not I, I I registered for myself. I'm not gonna stay here another day if that if that's what that means. You yeah. don't get to do that. You don't get to control my life like that anymore. And so when you think about that, that sounds like you know, heroic, right, and yeah. romantic. But she took she was taking money out of her children's out of her out of her out of their pockets." by that decision. I mean, that's a radical choice, yeah. a radical womanist choice that she was making at that time, that she was she was saying that my that 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 my who I am mattered more to me than eating. Mattered more to me than my children eating. Matter more than me to my husband eating, at least now. So we, the, this other part, like eating and stuff, we got to figure that out. But right now, I cannot take this another day. So that's an economic decision that Mrs. Hamer made. Now, me, you know, how many ever, year, you know, years later, still having to make those choices, yeah. still having to speak that no matter the no matter the consequences you know and and i've talked about this you know with with you know working on king richard i wasn't paid what i should have been paid to to work on king richard and i went to will smith and i told him i said you know i waited until we were done with the film and i said to him i said you know i was not paid what i should have been paid and um you know he he out of his own money he doubled my salary, and he also doubled the salary of of the rest of the rest of the principal actors. Now, listen, you know, I could have not said something. I could have been like, "Oh, okay, I got to play it nice because it's Will Smith," but you know, I had to decide. No, I need to make this choice for my family. I want to buy my sister a house. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So, in order to do that, I had to I had to speak up. Uh, despite the, you know, despite the, despite the consequences. I mean, it's ridiculous that, that these things are still happening, but they are. Are we a team? Are we a team? We, we're a family. So we're a team? We're a family, the best kind of team You don't think that that was a decision that you should have discussed with me? Discussed with Venus? Richard, my faith dictates that I stand by your side. All right, well, don't just do that, mistake then. my silence for agreement. You do that again, and I won't be quiet. You also discover a truth in your research about Orsine that she was the girl's day-to-day -day coach and that, you know, King Richard's beautiful in, in, its, in its exploration of black fatherdom with girls. But oftentimes we invoke, it takes a village to raise a child. And it's very important that Orsine um, is not left out of the story because she was on a day-to-day -day basis, from what I understand from you, making sure those girls were physically ready, mentally ready, and prepared. Could you talk about her and talk about that and what you discovered in discovering? Yeah, well, that's what, you know, I, I felt, you know, a, a great deal of shame because I didn't, I was not aware of that, that, you know, she was, that she was their coach. 
Um, and then didn't know about it until, you know, I started doing my research for my for the job, you know. And, um, you know, when I found that information, of course, I approached this like I wanted to do as, as good a job as I could to, you know, um, represent this, you know, this wonderful doting mother in Miss, Miss Orsine Price. But then when I found out that she was their coach, it just had this whole other angle to it. You know, because then I then it became this sort of like womanist cry for me, you know, that that we don't know this about this woman. That's not. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right. We need to know this about this woman, you know. And one of the reasons that people don't know is there's that, is that people ain't trying to find out and we dismiss her because she's a black woman. But also Ms. Orsine, she wasn't what Mr. Richard was. Mr. Richard was a salesperson for yeah. their family. Ms. Orsine wasn't interested in that. Um, so I, I, just, I just felt that, yo, this is my shot at paying this woman back for giving us these girls, like, for real, with her own body, yes. <laughs> you know? But also, in addition to that, um, you know, she was, she's a tennis genius, and we don't know that. You are a, a grand symbol of the best the South can create in terms of not only, we've been creating smart girls that go off to college and do amazing and come back the sharpest, smartest women on earth, but to someone who comes back to take care of family and then to make sure bigger stories are told. I'm looking so forward to seeing you on screen more, not less. I'm looking forward to seeing more of your work on screen, not less. And I'm hoping and helping however I can to get the Fannie Lou Hamer story told as I look forward to seeing it in theaters. I appreciate you for coming on my show. I greet you and I say farewell with love and respect. I appreciate you very much. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.